Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. This is likely our last Pick and Pop podcast of the season. We're, uh, it's our most unique ever uh, for many reasons. Uh, just want to welcome in, uh, this is Kevin McNamara of the Providence Journal. It is April the 22nd. Uh, for anyone who uh, is signing on to listen to this, we appreciate it. And I am at my home in East Providence, and Bill Koch is at his home in Warwick, Rhode Island. Bill, how's it going down there? Kevin, going well. Uh, following the rules, staying at home. Uh, I, I've taken the governor's advice, and I, I will knock it off uh, in, in whatever way she sees fit. Um, but all things considered, no complaints. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. It's uh, everybody's healthy. So we are uh, we're doing this podcast via a Facebook uh, conversation, Facebook call. So hopefully uh, everything runs smoothly. And we do uh, want to thank uh, Providence Journal Online editor uh, Whitman Littlefield for getting us uh, up and running. But uh, there's been so much that's happened both in the world, uh, the world of sports, and in college basketball since uh, we last were on the podcast, which would have been just before just after, actually, the uh, Big East and Atlantic 10 and NCAA tournaments were canceled. I believe we got together, Bill, at the office uh, uh, just a few days after that. And then uh, our office in Providence, uh, in downtown Providence, has been closed. Uh, I really want to take my hat off to all the reporters and editors and photographers uh, who continue to put out just a really outstanding pro- uh, product uh, for the journal, obviously, sports has been minimized because there are no sports. Although, Bill, there's always sports news, uh, regardless of the games. But I'm sure you've been impressed with. And I want to also tip my hat to uh, my partner here, Bill, who's been drafted to do some uh, COVID-19 coverage for the journal as well. It's uh, it's been quite a time, Bill. Yeah, unprecedented. Really, the only way to describe it. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a uh... Generally, you just try to go day to day and keep things in perspective, and, and you realize that you, depending on your circumstances, you, you could be fighting a lot worse than we are. Um, you, know, you could have lost your job. You could be sick. You could, you know, be one of these essential workers who, who's risking a lot more than we are uh, on a day to day basis. Whether you're a medical professional or, you know, someone who does deliveries for Amazon uh, and, and is in contact with, with people frequently. Um, you know, so. We wish the best for, for everybody, and uh, you know, mainly Kevin and I wanted to do this, you know, not only to update you, because like he said, the, the, the news of the sports world never stops, but you know, maybe to give you a, a few minutes of a diversion uh, in the middle of your day, we, we can talk about um, you know, the toy box as the sports department in, in most newspapers uh, is known, and we can just give you a little something to focus on that's not you know, this virus and save your families and friends and whatever else going on in your personal life. No, well, well said, Bill. Um, you know, sports has been put into perspective uh, by everything that's going on here, but I think the importance of sports is also been emphasized uh, throughout this, you know, last six, seven weeks because people do need sports. They do need diversions, uh, and I can't tell you, maybe obviously it's because of, you know, my job and whatnot, but everywhere I go, What's going to happen with baseball? What's going to happen with the NBA? Uh, now we're looking forward to what's going to happen with college sports in the fall. And, you know, we don't have any answers to that. Uh, the, the powers that be who run those leagues 
Uh, don't have any answers to the timing situation, but uh, we're just going to pretend here and hope for the best and, and hope that come November or uh, October or whenever college basketball finally gets going again, uh, that the teams are, number one, healthy and, uh, and ready to, to put out a product that, that people are uh, always excited to watch. So um, we're going to cut away from uh, the serious stuff for a bit and just talk college basketball. And, Bill, uh, again, the sports news, the college basketball news has been intense, really, uh, since that uh, fateful March period when everything shut down. And maybe no more busy program in the East uh, and one of the busiest in the country has been the University of Rhode Island Rams, which you, know, you follow so closely. And uh, we both double teamed on the coverage because there's been so much roster news. Uh, just to update everyone, uh, the NCAA is planning on voting, I believe it's in late May now, on the p- uh, potential transfer rule, which would give all players a one-time free transfer. Uh, that has opened the doors to even more transferring possibilities than ever before. And transfers have dominated college basketball off-season news for the last three to four years and now it's uh, it, it's if this passes uh, first of all there's been a lot of movement in anticipation of it passing but if it passes there'll be even more moves and uh, Bill it looks as if a program like Rhode Island a successful mid-major plus program uh, with good players uh, those players know that they have market value and that's certainly been shown out here uh, in the last six weeks with two really important transfers that I know you can bring us up to speed on. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a really interesting time, Kevin. Uh, you know, just from the standpoint that you know, players are away from campus, and, and you know the, the voices in their ears are not the voices of their coaches and, and of their teammates. It's uh, it might be their parents, it might be their grassroots coaches, it, it might be their friends who play at other places or in other conferences. And I think. That's contributing a lot to, to the movement here. Uh, Rhode Island has been bitten uh, twice now. Uh, Tyrese Martin is headed to Connecticut, uh, and Jacob Topham is headed to Kentucky. Uh, the first two players from URI to transfer to the Power Five of the Big East since Jonathan Hope, um, who went to a junior college and then ended up at West Virginia. Uh, so it's been almost a decade since, since this had happened to URI. And, you know, they had two players leave in, in the span of a couple weeks uh, and two guys who are going to be big pieces next year. Uh, you're looking back at the last two seasons, they've recruited eight freshmen, and, and there's only one left, and that's Jermaine Harris. Um, you know, so I think there's, you know, I think you hit very well in, in the column that you wrote uh, for last week. Uh, sort of the perfect storm for URI. It, it, it is partly the environment in college basketball, but I also think the Rams... You know, need to take a little bit of a look inward, uh, and and maybe you know whether it's I don't know if it's adjust their recruiting or you know look at the way that uh, you know they actively retain players. Um, you know, one out of eight is not necessarily uh, something that, that's very settling. Um, you know, and I, I know that that places an incredible amount of strain on the staff who work really hard to recruit these players in the first place. If they're going to have to rebuild their roster every single year, I, I just don't know how that's sustainable going forward in terms of trying to win year over year. Yeah, well, let's dig into that a little deeper. Uh, I think you and I both talked to David Cox, uh, the Ram coach, after after the, 
both Tyrese and Jacob left because it was so unsettling. And I had a, I had a good conversation with, with David uh, after uh, the Toppin move, and he basically said, you know, we've we got a couple of choices to make. One is, since Dan Hurley came to town, what they've been trying to do is to find high major players who slip through the cracks, who for whatever reason weren't going to be able to get high major offers. Uh, we could get them, and in a year or two with uh, uh, skill development and, most importantly, playing time, we'd have high major players. And it's worked wonderfully. If you think back to the guys who Hurley uh, had, uh, they had high major players playing in the Atlantic 10, and that's why they won, whether it was Jared Terrell or E.C. Matthews or Hassan Martin or Jeff Doughton or Cyril Langevin or, or these two guys. I think, I think Tyrese Martin is going to have a very uh, strong impact at a place like UConn. Uh, Toppin will get to. He, he chose to go to Kentucky. Uh, we'll get to that subject in a minute. But uh, if you think about the rest of the guys who kind of splintered and left, they weren't high major players. Uh, they either didn't like their role at URI or they wanted to play more. And, you know, we've seen guys leave, you know, Providence and URI for years who were just looking for better, you know, playing time situations. And uh, it's it's been a mixture of both. I'm more concerned about the guys who, you know, they stole, became good players at Rhode Island and bolted. That's that's going to be a tough avenue to stop if you don't have to sit out a year, if this NCA rule passes. And, you know, Cox said basically we don't want to adjust that focus. We want to find kids who in a year or two can play at Connecticut, can play at Providence. I mean, Rhode Island can play with those schools. They've shown that they can play and beat those schools with this type of, you know, talent system. And I think that's how they want to continue to, uh, you know, build the program. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the way you make the NCAA tournament, and that's the way you win games in an NCAA tournament is you, know, you need to have that sort of talent. If you look at the Final Four now in a given year, um, you're looking at pros, you know, guys who are going to play in the NBA um, who are leading their teams there. Um, you know, and, and I think back to, you know, what David said about Tyrese Martin. He, he's looking for brighter lights, bigger stage, and, and a chance to play in the NBA. And you know, did a little research last night in terms of the A-10 and, and their recent draft history in the NBA. And I think, you know, a lot of the pitch against conferences like the A-10, and, and specifically the URI, uh, who hasn't had a player drafted since Lamar Odom. Uh, the A-10, since 2013, has only had three players drafted, and one of those was Costas Antetokounmpo, who was the last pick in the draft in 2018, obviously the Greek freak's brother. Uh, so there was some nepotism involved there. Uh, you know, folks looking to hit the genetic lottery in that case. Uh, only one first-round pick in that time. That was DeAndre Bembry in 2016 out of St. Joe's. So only one guy in the league uh, out of hundreds who, who received that guaranteed money, that guaranteed chance. To play in the NBA. Now, I, I know, you know the popular line of thinking among fans is, is if you're good, you know, NBA scouts will find you, and that is true. Um, but the exposure that you get and, and the evaluation that they're able to make when you play in a power conference, 
gives them you know, more safety going to their general manager or their executive and saying, hey, we need to draft this guy. Um, you know, they're going to look and say, well, who do you play against? And if you're suggesting a kid out of the SEC or out of the Big 12, you're going to have a lot more leeway and a lot more professional security than if you suggest a kid out of the Atlantic 10 and he fits. I, I, you know, my, my other primary beat, obviously, for the journalists covering the Red Sox. And, and if you look at player development and player personnel moves in baseball, you see that a, a first-round pick in a given year over the course of his career might get released by an organization three or four times before he's done signing professional contracts. If you're taken in the 31st round, for example, and you were a senior in college, you're going to get released once. And after that, you're going to get a real job, you know, coaching, selling insurance, whatever it may be. You're not going to get those chances. So I think when someone like Tyrese or, or someone like Jacob Toppin, who, who saw what his brother went through this year, OB, at Dayton, they're looking for that higher level, that greater exposure, that greater margin to try and further their professional no, I, I can't agree more. Um, it's it's funny, fans fans root for as they should. They, they root for URI to win. They root for Providence to win. They they root for you know uh, St. John's to win. You know, uh, but the players, although you know they they're bought in with their coaches and their teammates, they're there for a couple reasons. Uh, the education is uh, actually I, I wish it was emphasized more in the minds of most of these young men, but. They all think that they can be pros. Every single one of them who we come across with at the A-10 and Big, Big East level. Every one of them. I can't tell you how many kids in the last 25 years who you know might have started at Providence for one year. And they graduate and they go and you know they get their diploma and they think that they can play in the NBA. Uh, and then reality hits at some point. Uh, and and real world smacks people in the face at various points of their life. But if I'm a freshman or a sophomore in college and I've had some success like a Tyrese Martin and a Jacob Toppin, uh, I am definitely thinking that I can play in the NBA. And crafting the best path is really important. And, uh, you know, for example, we're going to break down both right now. Uh, so Tyrese Martin is going to transfer to UConn. In his mind, he's going to be eligible right away because the NCAA rule is going to pass. He's going to play for Dan Hurley next year in the Big East. UConn's moving to the Big East. Uh, Bill, I'll ask you point blank. Do you think Tyrese can make an impact like he did at Rhode Island, where he averaged basically a dozen points a game? Uh, he, I think he went over 30 at least twice. Um, Dan Hurley's building a good program. He's, he's got a couple good wing players, James Booknight being the one that UConn fans are most excited about. I personally think Tyrese Martin is can play with those guys every, seven days a week. Yeah, I thought he showed some flashes in your eye of, of pro ability. Um, you know, whether it's his, uh, you know, his rebounding ability. Uh, you know, somebody who rebounds above his size. He averaged more than seven a game this year. A guy who's six six. Uh, his athleticism in the open floor is terrific. Um, you know, somebody who statistically uh, shot the ball better from the field as a sophomore than Jared Terrell did. Um, you know, and if, if you look at someone like Tyrese and you think that, you know, more gym time can improve his shot, particularly for three-point range, uh, by his senior year, his numbers could look a lot different. He has a pro body. 
you look at a guy who's about six six and you know is, is graceful, long, lean. Um, you know, someone who just cruises through through games and, and makes it look easy at times. Um, you know, and I, I look back at uh, the transfers from the A10 who have gone to the Power Five of the Big East over the last six or seven years. The guys who have gone for multiple years, you know, guys like Samir Dowdy, um, you know, guys like Eric Paschal who went to the Villanova, uh, they've had success. They've scored more and played more minutes at their new homes than they did at their old ones. Uh, the grad transfers are the guys who tend to struggle, and I think that's because coaches at the schools that they go to view them as plug-and-play guys, one-year mercenaries. You don't really need to cater to them as much as you would a sophomore coming in who you hope to have for two years um, for obvious reasons. And, and so I think that you know, Tyrese going to Connecticut and, and Toppin going to Kentucky, they're both going to get every opportunity uh, to, to play. I, I think the sales pitch to either one of them is a lot more true than maybe it would have been to someone who's just going to come in for one year and play 30 games. Well, I'm going to stop you there. Uh, so uh, the Tyrese Martin fit, I, I, th- I think, was a natural and no surprise. I think the Jacob Toppin fit caught everyone by surprise. Uh, Jacob averaged five points a game as a freshman. Uh, it, it was funny. I, the, the, Jacob Toppin impressed me more, I know this sounds odd, in, in the layup lines than in the games uh, this year at Rhode Island because I didn't see him every game like you did, but I, I saw maybe uh, you know maybe eight lot uh, games in person. And every time I saw Jacob come out in the layup lines, he seemed to get bigger. And and sure enough, uh, the Ram uh, people say he grew. He might have grown two inches in his one year on campus, maybe even three. Uh, I, I believe he was listed at six six. Bill, when he was recruited, is, is that correct? I am anywhere around six six six. Seven and, and now, I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky listed at 6'9". I, I think he's 6'9 all day long uh, because he was just as big as Jermaine Harris, uh, uh, again, in, in layup lines this year. And I remember saying to either yourself or Bill Reynolds, I would say, geez, that kid is getting bigger every time we see him. He, he's that impressive. Going to Kentucky is a different ball of wax. Um, there is no guarantee in my mind, and I think Jacob uh, is a better pro prospect than Tyrese Martin. Uh, but going to Kentucky, there's no there's no guarantee that he he is a starter in his ne- in his last three years of eligibility. Uh, Kentucky loads up with five star freshmen, uh, and will will no doubt bring in a transfer or or two who's more more touted and maybe more talented than a Jacob Toppin. Uh, I, th- I, th- I thought that was a very curious jump. Um, it, that said, it's really hard to say no to Kentucky. If John Calipari is selling you that you have a, a spot in his program, then it's understandable that uh, that you think you can get it done. Yeah, I, I think um, you, you make a couple good points there, and I agree with everything you said. Um, I, I would say that in Toppin's case, I think he lived two different college basketball existences his freshman year. He, he lived his own and he lived through his brother. And, and I think he saw what it could be like when you play on a top five team and you have the charter flights and you have the practice facility and, and you have that sort of exposure, that sort of celebrity that, that Obi Toppin enjoyed. That's every player at Kentucky. 
Uh, Jacob Toppin is in the NCAA tournament for the next three years just by stepping foot on campus in Lexington. Yeah. You couldn't say the same with certainty uh, at Rhode Island. So he's going to have that stage to perform on. Uh, had five double-digit games this year. Three of them were against good opponents, LSU, Alabama, and Richmond, who, who would have been in the NCAA tournament uh, when the season ended. So he has shown that he can play reasonably well against good competition. Um, the type of guy who I think is, is a prototypical you know, small forward in, in the modern NBA at 6'9", 6'10", you know, someone who can develop his jump shot, uh, someone who is incredibly athletic, uh, you know, could play some stretch four in, in a pinch, um, you know, if he ends up 6'9", or 6'10". Uh, and I also think that he's looking at OV's timeline, uh, someone who took an academic redshirt his first year, his second year at Dayton, which was his redshirt freshman year, he's a good player, uh, and then his third year he blew up. Uh, you know, if Jacob is a sit-out transfer at Kentucky, that third year would be the first season he can get on the floor for the Wildcats. So I'm, I'm thinking that he's playing this out in his mind that he's going to progress like Obi did. He's he's taken a huge gamble on himself. Um, I credit him for having that sort of self-confidence. I certainly look at it and think he would have played a lot more and, and been a bigger piece at Rhode Island, but I think it's up to what the kid wants and, and what he values, and in this case, it was having a little bit more of that limelight, having maybe a better chance to further his professional career, and gaining that certainty that he is going to play in the NCAA tournament multiple times over the course of his college career. Well, I can guarantee you that Kentucky is going to play in the NCAA tournament uh, the next three years. How much Jacob Toppin plays is a different story and uh, you know something we'll be looking at really closely um, this year. As it, this is nothing changes at Kentucky. They, they bring in five star guys. Uh, a couple of them leave right away. Most of them leave by year two. Uh, and John Calipari rebuilds the roster on the fly. This year, for example, uh, I believe there's only two returning players. Uh, neither one played very much. And yet, if you look at the recruiting class, uh, he now has eight new players. There's three top 25 ESPN players. B.J. Boston, a wing out of California. Terrence Clark, uh, a 6'7 wing out of Boston. And uh, the fifth one is uh, Devin Askew, who's a point, point guard from out in California. Um, i I'll be honest with you, I've seen Terrence Clark many times. I've never seen the others. Uh, but by the track record... Usually it's the freshmen who play and, and get most of the time because they're the best players. But it'll be very interesting to see, A, if, if they sit out Toppin. Uh, my guess is he might not sit out because there's a chance he can compete uh, at this level. He does have college experience. Uh, but then usually by the end of the year, that's when the freshmen, uh, the five-star freshmen, step up and seem to get most of the action at, at uh uh, at Kentucky, but uh, Bill, uh, to David Cox and his staff's uh, credit, they have pivoted well and have tried to fight fire with fire, and that's via the transfer route. Uh, I think the initial, you know, hit to the stomach that you're losing, you know, stars, uh, starters, and maybe your top two or three, two of the top three returning players hits Ram fans. But if you can pivot and fight fire with fire by bringing in good transfers, uh, you know, that's re- I think that's an avenue that Rhode Island has to really do well at, and 
uh, Cox uh, told you and I both the same thing. And sure enough, they brought they brought in three. That there may be more. I, I think they're looking at the grad transfer route right now to complete their roster. But they got the Mitchell twins from Maryland, uh, who only played one semester at Maryland. Uh, uh, the word there is one of the two uh, could be a very good player in the Atlantic Ten or any conference. Uh, so, so that could be a real coup. And then they brought they brought in uh, Malik Martin, Hassan's younger brother, who had two really good years at Charlotte. Uh, if all three are eligible right away, you know the Rams are going to remain, you know, in the mix in the Atlantic Ten. But there is one complicating factor, and that's Fats Russell. So if you can touch on all three. Um, uh, all, you know, all of those guys and bring people up to speed on where the Rams' current roster looks like. Sure. Uh, the, the first two, the, the Mitchell twins, take them right off the top, Makai Mitchell and Mikel Mitchell. Uh, Makai Mitchell was a consensus top 75 recruit, uh, had offers from you know, just about everybody under the sun. Uh, Mikel Mitchell, also a four-star player. Um, you know, and, and if you're URI, considering... You know who you are and, and who you've been over the last few years. You have won games in the NCAA tournament with four-star players. Uh, you know whether that was Jared Terrell or E.C. Matthews or you know Stan Robinson and, and Karan Iverson. You brought them in as transfers. So you know those two guys immediately upgrade your talent. Uh, Malik Martin is a guy with college experience, a tough player, a wing player. Uh, you would say that he's right about the same point in his development as Tyrese Martin was. Uh, you know, two-year college player. Uh, someone who's going to come in and, and play well at both ends of the floor. Um, you know, he, he made some waves in Conference USA with the way he played defense. Uh, you know, that's to be expected of a Martin brother, I would think. Uh, you have three true freshman guards coming in. Uh, two you signed in the fall, Elijah Wood and Ishmael Leggett. Uh, and then you got a commitment from Trey Berry uh, in the spring. Uh, athletic guy, 6'3", uh, played at Scotland Campus, which is a magnet prep school in Pennsylvania, plays a national schedule. Uh, they were at the National Prep Championships in Connecticut in March. I know Rhode Island uh, you know, was following him there. He took an official visit in January for the VCU game, a sellout, which you or I won at the Ryan Center. And I don't think that that atmosphere can be understated, Kevin. I, I know that Barry said after he committed that he was very impressed with the Ryan Center with the URI fans that night. Uh, you know, and that's that might be why you know I'm apt to discuss attendance maybe more than some others. I, I know that's why Dan Hurley brought it up frequently. You want to bring recruits into that environment; it's intoxicating. It helps you sell. Um, two open scholarships for the Rams at this point. Uh, they missed out on a couple big guys on Monday. Evan Cole, who was a graduate transfer from Georgia Tech, he's going to Utah Valley to play for Mark Madsen. Uh, and then a seven-footer from Coppin State, Brendan Medley Bacon, who's going to go to VCU. So URI fans will, will get a chance to see him in the A-10 coming up. But uh, you know, URI has pivoted down to that court, um, you know, looking for a little depth on the wing. Uh, a couple guys who would be eligible immediately: immediately uh, Ray Salnave, who's from Monmouth, uh, and Jonah Antonio, who's a shooter from UNLV. Both of those guys can play next year as grad transfers. A couple other guys they're looking at, Jose Perez, who's from the Bronx, really good player, Gardner-Webb, uh, his sophomore year had good numbers, average over 15 points again, a game. And then a guy who you've seen a little bit, Kevin, Anthony Nelson, uh, who you and I were 
recruited out of high school, uh, New York, New Jersey area kid, played his first two years at Seton Hall, left-handed point guard who would give them some length in the backcourt uh, and maybe ease the bridge moving on from Thats Russell and Jeremy Shepard. Uh, you know, so UI, very active. David Cox was a, a tireless worker as an associate head coach on the recruiting trail. He's been nothing less as a head coach. Uh, you know, it, it was to be expected. Um, you know, he hasn't been, uh, you know, paralyzed by, by these defections. He, he hasn't, you know, been caught off guard, uh, at least publicly and in terms of his actions. And, and that's a huge credit to him uh, and to the staff. And, and it's huge credit to, to the connections that he has that he's able to, to bring in talent like this uh, on short notice. But, you know, you, you just wonder uh, if you or I can get an extra player or two here. Um, you know, ideally you expand that rotation nine guys for next season. Realistically, you can have four transfers sit out. That, that's okay, uh, provided that all nine that you bring back can play. Uh, you know, and obviously the, the big questions there would be Shepard, who was an academic casualty last season, uh, DJ Johnson, who redshirted after transferring in from a JUCO. You're only bringing back three guys who saw the floor. That's Fats Russell, uh, Jermaine Harris, and Antoine Walker. Well, and I think that's the the part that uh, you know you actually helped me with before we started this call. And URI fans may not appreciate uh, that last sentence that Bill just said. The only returning players who had any impact on games last year at all for URI are potentially Fats Russell, Jermaine Harris, and Antoine Walker. That that smacks me. That's a rebuilding situation. It's as simple as that. And to to have a rebuilding situation on the fly with transfers gives you a fighting chance. And uh, this is a new college basketball dynamic with the transfer situation, but it's one that I think fans might have to get used to. Um, you know, it, when we're not just talking about Rhode Island. You know, we already mentioned Kentucky. Uh, VCU, Marco Santos Silva, maybe the best big guy in the entire Atlantic 10, is transferring. You know, he's mentioned places like Arizona State and Georgia and Yukon, uh, as a matter of fact. Um, it, it's just it's the wave of the future uh, in college basketball, and we, we've dealt with it for the last couple of years, and uh, it's only going to get crazier. So uh, it's too bad. I think Rhode Island is a perfect example of a, a program where if you do stay for four years, uh, you have a great experience. The fans get to like you. Uh, and you can win. You know, think back all the way back to, you know, the good teams in the 80s and the 90s uh, where the seniors were big time. The Carlton Owens and Tommy Garrick, the uh, Antonio Reynolds-Dean and Preston Murphy. And just a couple of years ago with, with um, you know, E.C. Matthews and Jared Terrell and Hassan Martin. You know, those are the teams that URI fans get to know and love. And I just wonder if the four-year senior-laden teams in college basketball at a mid-major plus like Rhode Island, maybe maybe you can't do that anymore, which would really be too bad, Bill. Yeah, it's something you're going to have to take a look at. Um, you know, obviously you're, you're looking at a couple other teams in the A-10. Uh, you know, going back to realignment, 2013-14, uh, Dayton has not had a player go to a Power 5 or Big East program, and, and Davidson hasn't had a player go to a Power 5 or Big East program. Uh, you know, Davidson... Aside from Kellen Grady, he isn't necessarily recruiting at the level URI is. Uh, Dayton might be, though. Um, you know, and, and Dayton going forward will be an interesting test case to see 
if they start losing players. Uh, you look at VCU, Marcus Santos Silva, his father told our friend Adam Zagoria, uh, you know, and, and God bless to Adam, he's recovering from the coronavirus. We wish him the best. Uh, yeah. He does a great job on his blog yes. with New York groups, whether it be college pro or otherwise. Uh, Marcus's father told Adam that, you know, his son is looking for a shorter bridge to the NBA, a, a place where, you know, there might be more certainty that, that he can reach the NBA. And, and so you're hearing these bigger programs. You mentioned a, a few. Uh, you know, Miami is another. Virginia Tech is another. So obviously looking for bigger conferences. You wonder if someone like Bones Highland you know, gets itchy trying to leave VCU after next season. 6'4", six, 6'5", six, point guard, uh, was an all-rookie team selection in the A-10. Uh, a guy who looks like a star there for years to come if he opts to stay. Um, so I think that if you're Rhode Island, the top teams in your league, whether it's Dayton or St. Louis at this point, uh, they lost Cartier Gordon, but, but there are some issues behind the scenes there. He was you know, sort of a risky recruit to bring in a, a local guy, but a top 100 guy, you had to take a chance. If Dayton, St. Louis, and VCU start losing recruits regularly, you're, you're going to look at the conference as a whole. Uh, for right now, you're, you're looking at Rhode Island, and you're thinking that you, know, you don't necessarily want to lose someone like Ishmael Leggett or, or Trey Berry, if those guys, or Elijah Wood, if those guys prove to be good players as freshmen. Um, you, know, you need to get to a point where you are able to keep the next Jared Terrell, the next E.C. Matthews, um, you know, even if they're not top 100 recruits, uh, you know, but someone who plays like a top 100 recruit. Those are the guys who you build on. Uh, as you mentioned, the teams at URI who have won, who have been in the NCAA tournament, they've tended to be older teams. Katino Mobley was 22, 23 years old by the time he left URI. Um, you know, so that's going to be necessary for them going forward. And, uh, you know, I'll be interested to see how it shakes out. So, uh, Bill, we're going to pivot here to the uh, Providence Friars. Uh, they have not uh, – they, they've lost, you know, plenty of players uh, throughout the Ed Cooley era via transfer, but uh, they've been able to maintain some, uh, you know, solid solidity, I guess, in their roster uh, in the last couple of years – and but have been aggressive on the transfer uh, incoming pipeline. Last year they brought in uh, Jared Bynum, a point guard from St. Joe, who has three years left, and Noah Horschler, a uh, athletic forward from North Florida, who has one year left. Both will be eligible this coming season. Sat out this past year, and then we're active uh, in the last six weeks, bringing in a guard from Syracuse, Bryson Goodeen from New Bedford. He'll have three years left. And Ed Croswell, a rebounding forward from uh, La Salle on the A-10, who will have two years left. Um, you know, Ed Cooley being creative, looking to fill specific spots. Uh, I think he's had some trouble uh, recruiting the highest-end uh, freshman uh, out of high school. But, um, you know, if you can find those same level guys a year or two later on the bounce... Uh, it, it looks like that that's an avenue that Providence might be able to be successful in. Yeah, he was uh, he was in with the big boys in the fall for, for some really good players. Uh, you guys like Earl Timberlake and, and Hunter Dickinson, you're, you're going to be hearing those names going forward. Um, you know, Timberlake, scoring guard, going to Miami. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, a, a seven-footer. Uh, you know, type of guy who, 
who would have grabbed the torch from Nate Watson and, and run with it. Um, you know, you, you look at it coolly and, and you look at the core that he's built, uh, he's in no danger of losing David Duke or A.J. Reeves. And, and that is the difference between, you know, someone like Providence, who, who has kept the cut and invested heavily in their facilities and in their program uh, than in some others at the mid-major plus level, uh, whether it be in the A-10 or in the Mountain West. Um, you know, some leagues who are right below that sort of Power 5 Big East standard. Uh, Providence is always going to have those guys to lean on. Uh, you know, David Duke looks like a guy who can play in the NBA at some point. So, if Jared Byam is, is a pure point guard, uh, probably you know more fit to play that position than Alon Pipkins was. Uh, Ed Croswell, I, I've said this before, I think he probably takes the Khalif Young role. Uh, you know, could play 40, 50% of the minutes. Uh, is going to be a big body in the paint who's active on the glass and, and who can be a finisher around the rim. Um, you know, and, and those guys will be happy to play at a place like Providence and have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. That wasn't going to happen at LaSalle. Uh, you know, St. Joe's going through a coaching change. Going from Phil Martelli to Billy Lang, that wasn't necessarily going to happen for Jared Bynum during his four years on Hawk Hill. So you're looking at two guys who have come in, uh, who are going to plug into that lineup. Uh, Noah Horschler, obviously another guy who is going to be older, have one year left. He's coming from North Florida, uh, a place that not necessarily is guaranteed to be the NCAA tournament. So Providence, uh, as a program that was going to be on track to do it six out of seven years, is someone who can afford them that stage right now. Um, tell me a little bit about the freshman, Kevin. I, I know they signed uh, a guard, Alan Breed, in the fall, uh, and yeah. a wing, Jair Davis, out of Delaware here in the spring. Yeah, so Alan Breed uh, played on a loaded team in the Atlanta area uh, for four years. Um and was recruited at, I'd say, the low major level at that point. Just started to get some action last summer um, at the more high-level major uh, level and decided to do a year at IMG in Florida where he was able to be showcased at a much higher level. And I've seen some YouTube of him. I'd say he's a combo guard with a very good handle, decent size at like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, six, I, I think they think that he is a creative uh, attacking guard, maybe more in the Malik White uh, um, mold than uh, more of a pure point guard type thing. Uh, Jair Davis played on a very good team uh, in Delaware. It was actually the first four-year All-State player in Delaware history. Um, six six, uh, good strong body, uh, can shoot and handle the ball. Really a, a scoring wing. Uh, some people have said uh, not quite. Uh, as long, but a Rodney Bullock type uh, wing player, uh, you know, a good size. It'll be interesting to see uh, the impact that both of those two guys can make uh, as well. I don't think Providence is done. I think if they can find a young uh, big guy, uh, they would like to sit out Croswell next year. I think if practice opens and he's the best rebounder on the team, he won't be sitting out. Uh, but I think the plan is to maybe sit him out next year and watch Nate Watson uh, be able to get his minutes up to 25, maybe 30 minutes a game if he can stay out of foul trouble. And then you still have Horschler, Jimmy Nichols, uh, and maybe a freshman big guy around uh, to give you a, a very uh, you know, unique-looking uh, set of big guys. Um, 
so that's where Providence stands. Uh, uh, in all honesty, I talked to Ed Cooley a little bit, and he's been struck by, by, by you know what we've had to deal with in the last six or seven weeks. You know, not being able to have his players on campus. Uh, not uh, it's funny. David Duke lives less than a mile away from PC, and he's not allowed into the Ruane Center. You know, nobody's allowed into the Ruane Center. Uh, you know, they've been doing virtual workouts uh, with the strength coach Ken White, uh, just to stay in shape um, and be able to you know be ready whenever they can get back on campus. Providence has already canceled their first summer session. Uh, the goal is to get everybody back on campus for the second summer session, which usually begins, I, I think, late June, early July. So uh, it's a very strange time in college basketball. Uh, Bill, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about Bryant's recruiting class, which was just announced today. Uh, they brought in four spring recruits, um, one being Erickson Bands from Shea, uh, the other being a really good JUCO three-point shooter in Chris Childs from New York. And then the, they were active in the uh, – and a Ju, another JUCO, Darius Gwynn, uh, a 6'7", attacking uh, a forward. But they were uh, active in the transfer game as well, and they brought in someone by the name of Melo Eccleston, who uh, I think Bryant is really excited about. Yeah, Mel Eggleston was a big-time get. Uh, consensus three-star recruit, uh, actually pushed into four-star recruiting territory out of high school. Uh, you know, guy who was initially committed to Wake Forest and started his career there, transferred to Arkansas State, and now he's headed to Bryant. Um, also brought in a transfer from Siena named Luke Sutherland, who's a front-court player, a forward. Uh, so a six-man class right now for Jared Grasso, and, and certainly... You know, he continues to upgrade the talent level there. Um, you're going to have five guys going out. Uh, three of them are grad transfers. Uh, one of them has found a new home. My Kenan Nduba is going to go to Ilan for his last year. Um, also looking at Patrick Harding, uh, who will have two years left. He's going to go from Bryant to Columbia. Um, and actually, you know, I see Patrick Harding as being a really good fit in the Ivy League. Yeah. A big physical guy. Uh, good rebounder, averaged almost nine point uh, nine rebounds a game last year for the Bulldogs. Uh, you know, one of the best defensive rebounders in the country for Ken Palm. Uh, you know, sort of that big, physical, traditional center that, that plays well in the Ivy League that just about anyone in that league would like to have in the roster. But I, I think you see Brian continue to get more athletic, um, you know, continue to bring in guys who can handle the ball, who can spread the floor, who can attack the rim. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, increasingly now, as Jared Grasso goes into year three, you remember his first season, they slowed it down, they took the air out of the ball, they were trying to play games in the 50s and in the low 60s. I, I think he finally has a roster, if everyone is eligible, where he's going to crank up the tempo a little bit here. Uh, much like the Iona teams that he coached with uh, when he was the associate head coach under Tim Kloos. I, I think you're going to see, you know, Brian put a little more octane into his attack this year. Um, and I think they're going to be very entertaining to watch and, and could be a team to reckon with in the NEC. No, it'll be interesting. There's no question. Uh, the, the, the roster shuffling the last couple of years has been intense at Bryant, and we'll see if Jerry can uh, can come up with the proper mix. Simple as that. It's uh it's a, it's, uh, it's a roster management situation that uh, they seem very encouraged by going forward. 
Um, Bill, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to wrap up here. Um, really want uh, everyone uh, to just remain positive going forward uh, with their lives. Protect your families, protect yourselves, uh, and uh, good willing college basketball uh, will be back in the fall. Uh, I think there's a chance that uh, college sports might not return in the fall semester. But uh, again, we we know nothing at this point and. Neither do the uh, coaches, athletic directors, or even school presidents around the country. But uh, hang in there. And, uh, Bill, if you can sign off as well, um, who knows when we'll be back uh, with another pick and pop. Uh, might, might have one uh, in the summertime. And who knows if uh, the roster situations keep going upside down, we might be back next week. Yeah, you know, just, just like Kevin said, we, we hope everybody out there is safe and, and healthy. Um, you know, following social distancing measures best you can um you know taking care of your families and, and taking care of yourselves uh you know we we don't know what's going to happen um you know but like everybody else we we just want to be prepared for for what might happen um you know you hear these plans come out from major league baseball you know european soccer leagues and whatever it may be um those don't necessarily mean that sports will resume anytime soon but we want to be ready uh, so that when they do, we can give you a little bit of a diversion from what's going on here day to day, whether it's struggles with your health or with your family or, or with your jobs. Uh, you know, so we hope that this time that we've spent with you, and, and honestly, Kevin, this time that I've spent with you, um, you know, just talking basketball for 35, 40 minutes here, uh, you know, it's, it's therapeutic in a way. It, it's definitely nice to, to sort of take your mind off what's going on in the world. So, uh, you know, we wish everyone the best and, uh,